0: By the first lady of the Star Trek Enterprise and the grandest of Grand Supremes, Nichelle Nichols. Science fiction taught me to live
2: in the real world.
1: Welcome back to the 100th episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. (gasps) Say it again. (laughs) The 100th episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry, where Rachel and I are very. Very honored to welcome our guest host this week. One more time, Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's son. Welcome, Rod. Thank you for being with
2: us. I am so happy to be here, especially for the 100th. You guys have done an incredible job. And uh, our last three times talking have been really engaging and fun. And now I think we've got a very interesting quote to work with.
1: We absolutely do. Um, Do you want to jump in there and run away with this? So your father said, science fiction taught me to live in the real world. If you had to say what science fiction taught you, Rod, what would you say?
2: Oh, well, that's not where I was going with this. That's a great, (laughs) I'm going to need a moment to think about that one. I was, I was going to interpret this one. And my interpretation was a little bit more literal, but I think Mm, it's what Star Trek does. Well, I think it's what Star Trek is for a lot of people. Uh, uh, Star Trek is a, is a, a metaphor. I mean, every scene we see, every message it has in it is an allegory to, to something in real life on some level. And my father wasn't really able to get these messages. He did other shows. He did The the Lieutenant, which was military, he did cop shows, and he had some messaging in that. But a lot of the times it might have been maybe hitting the nail on the head. In this one, you get to put it on a far off planet, you get to make aliens the ones that look weird and doing the dumb things. Remember the the aliens that had a a, a black face on one side, white on the other, and white on one side, black on the other. And to us, that seems so absurd today. But that was a great way of showing the absurdity of skin color. Mm
0: -hmm, And
2: that's mm -hmm. science fiction taught me to live in the real world. That is a lesson for the real world. That is to live in the real world. Not how we're living. I think that's how we should live in the real world. And should is a charged word, I understand. But I'm saying Eh. in a lot of Star Trek, uh, it's probably a good model to at least Take some point pointers by.
0: I'm curious because your dad speaks so much about humans and humans in general. And so as I watched Star Trek as a kid and then grew up, I always didn't like the distinction of I am a different race than you because I'm not actually a different race than you. I'm a different ethnicity, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, uh, I think it's point four. No, that's ivory soap, but let's just say <laughs> <laughs> let's just say 0.44 percentage is different of us. That's it. It's like the littlest thing it's of one percentage bit. that makes our noses different or our hair is different and things like that. So I I think that uh, like Star Trek taught me about living in the real world, to be honest, because here was a Russian on the bridge instead of you have to fear Russians, they're gonna bomb your schools, mm-hmm. right? That's what was the word then or we're in a cold war with them or or all the things even the point. what is now an awkward kiss right but at the time so groundbreaking uh for white people to see that kiss more mm-hmm. so than me mm-hmm. or anyone else but yeah. it, it, as we as we see things in movies we start to understand that that is a part of our own world and sometimes it is so much easier to see that kiss that inter ethnic, ethnic kiss, but we'll call it interracial, even though I hate that phrase. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was important for people, Anglos especially, to see that kiss and to start to have those things normalized, right? And isn't it interesting that in the 90s, we almost kind of backslid? a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was Don't Ask, Don't Tell as far as gay people and not as many. Uh, for people who weren't around then, I think uh, there's a little more separate but equal, oddly enough, in the 90s. Like, black people had their movies over here. And, white, you know, so what your father did with this show was so much ahead of its time, and I'm so grateful. Like, I'm spitzing all over it, Rod, because <laughs> I am that generation that benefited from the mm-hmm. original Star Trek um, trends.
2: No, well, if I could, could, could I just quickly jump in? because I, I wanted to point out two things and it's based on what you just said, Rachel. Uh, for, first of all, this, this quote says, science fiction taught me to live in the real world. This is my father saying it. And, and I, I made the mistake of, and I don't want to necessarily call it a mistake, but I went right to what Star Trek did. My father right now is crediting all the science fiction authors that he ever yes. read and watched. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and he's saying science fiction, not necessarily Star Trek. So I think mm-hmm. you know, that's something in itself. I'm just very impressed that he did that.
0: That's a lovely point because as a little kid and I I do mean like eight nine ten I loved Asimov Isaac Asimov's writing right mm-hmm, and that was mm-hmm. kind of my introduction to sort of science fiction and it helped shape my worldview uh Trent what do you think about this super short but like kind of deep quote
1: yeah the one thing I want to say um rod that you, which you mentioned that about um your father in many of the quotes that we've discussed, he was very generous about spreading the credit around, about the writers and the up and coming and the people who would take take the stewardship after he and all of us are gone. So I love that you said that because it's something that we've talked about often is about how generous your father has been with the credit of the wonderful world of Star Trek. When I think about science fiction and what I learned from it, yes, absolutely, it taught me about the real world too. In particular, when I think about Deep Space Nine, for example, as a teenager watching these stories about the Bajoran occupation, about the Cardassian occupation of Bajor, and what that meant for these people who suffered genocide, they fought back, they got their planet back. And it's one thing to hear about those kinds of horrific, horrible stories in history books. And it just seems like when you're separated by, you know, sometimes centuries of history it's kind of hard like as a young person to synthesize that and kind of identify with that in any way unless you're touched by it personally and and i wasn't um but to see it played out on a show that I loved with characters that I cared about, I was able to learn and empathize with wow. those characters.
0: Well, Trent, when that... you're up on the news, cause that's Palestine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Israel, mm-hmm. like with the episode yeah. you mm-hmm. just talked about. Yeah.
1: And then when you talk about like the way that Deep Space Nine talks about The Bajoran religion, and and Benjamin Sisko being the emissary of the prophets, or you know, and then the other camp is like, well, they're not really prophets; they're not gods; they're just wormhole aliens. And this whole religious debate. For me, it just clicked when you hear like these are religious themes that you hear about like in the news, in your church, or wherever. But when you see it being acted out on a show that you actually care about with characters you actually care about. It makes you, I don't know, for me, it it just made me um, identify with it more and really, really taught me about the real world.
2: That's, that's incredible. I, 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 once again, you guys always give me something that I've never even considered in terms of looking at the quote from that angle. I, I, that I really appreciate. I really do
0: actually much subtler, Trent, than um, than I. I love Battlestar Galactica, the remake, mm-hmm. but it's much subtler, the religious overtones in Star Trek. They're actually incorporated in a way that I could synthesize a little better, if yeah. that makes any sense. Like, yeah. uh, Battlestar Galactica's great, but it was so dead on for this, this religion. Whereas this, I kind of like the ambiguous nature mm-hmm. of it all. But let's talk about the fact that you know this better than I do, because Trent's a huge fan. But do you, why don't you tell them the Nichelle Nichols story about why? She stayed on Star Trek.
1: Well, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially the story is Nichelle kind of decided that she didn't think that she was doing enough important work by just being an actress in a, a sci fi TV series. And she was thinking about leaving the show. She ran into Martin Luther King Jr. at an event in between filming the show, and she uh, confessed to him that she was thinking about leaving the show. and. Uh, Reverend King, like mortified, was like, "You cannot quit the show. You don't understand how important it is to have you on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, traveling at warp speed in the far distant galaxy." What that teaches the audience the young children at home watching and you know i think she mentions in her story and i believe in her her memoir that she thought that she would do she could do more if she was on the streets you know with with signs and like really being a part of the movement in that way. It was the
0: time of the Black Panthers, sorry to interrupt at the time of the Black Panthers and um you know the Black Power movement. And also by, by the way, do your homework on Black Lives Matter and Black Panthers cuz they weren't uh they were they were much maligned. The much maligned common man. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what they were. The Black Panthers started the school uh breakfast program. So anyway, do your homework on that stuff and figure out where the common man has been maligned. At least make your own decision, don't just well take said. it from the news. Right?
1: And the last part of that story is and then the real kicker, I think, and, and she said this, I believe, in an interview was that Reverend King said to her that Star Trek was the only show he let his children watch because they could see um, a black woman in a position of power on a starship. And it was just something that was just unheard of at the time, and he, he made her realize that her, her small, tiny role, which she thought was just a small, tiny role, was so impactful and important, and indeed, it was. That's awesome. Yeah, Rod,
0: your dad might be responsible for why I'm such a mouthy broad. <laughs> I <laughs> think now, that's how, good. And how lucky are
1: we? How lucky are we no, for that? No, but I'm
0: saying, I mean, I mean, joking, but I mean that, like, me as a little kid, seeing this beautiful black woman up on this thing, wearing the shortest skirt ever, but having a powerful job. Mm-hmm. Like, that's stuck in my psyche. That will never leave my psyche that you could be up in the stars. You could do whatever you want,
2: Rod. All, <laughs> all, all mouthy broads, in your own words, who <laughs> have something to say should definitely be heard. Absolutely. Uh, amen I, 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 amen I, I to that. I think this country and this planet would probably do a lot better with more mouthy broads running it. And, uh, you know and even though that tone <laughs> doesn't sound right...
0: No, I know, I'm I was saying, like, I shouldn't have said mouthy broads because really what is considered a mouthy broad would be intelligent, an assertive man. Women. But uh, right, in a man it would be, he's a he's an intelligent man or a thoughtful mm-hmm. man. And mm-hmm. I'm just kind of making a joke by saying mouthy broad because that's yeah. kind of what I've been called my whole life, right, but I'm, I'm making a joke to say it doesn't bother me. But the truth is I don't think I'm a mouthy broad. I think I'm someone with a lot to say. Hey, and, speak uh, your mind,
2: speak your opinion. And, and, right. they're, and I love your opinions. I absolutely do. I'm on the show. I, I just wanted to go back to the quote one more time, because, again, listening to you guys, listening to the mouthy broad. And, Trent, I don't have a derogatory term for you yet that you've given yourself.
0: Can I call you a mouthy broad, Trent? Yes, you can. I'll, All I'll right. take okay.
2: that. <laughs> remember, you guys both said it, not me. Anyhow. Um, Science fiction taught me to live in the real world. It it makes me think about what if. Science fiction is different than fantasy. Fantasy is anything. You can grow wings and fly away. Science fiction should be, and I, listen, I'm sure we have our own interpretations, but I'm going to say mine, should be based in some sort of version of reality. Uh, It it can have elements of fantasy in it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Star Trek needs to, but I'm saying sci-fi can. But what it does is it gives you the what if. So the what if, it teaches me to live in the real world. To live in the real world, I think, really gets you to ask, what if? Look at the life you live in and say, what if? What if this were different? What if I moved my furniture around? What if I went out the door a different way? What if I went down the street and got into a car accident? What if I went down the street and met someone and did something nice? What if the world was a better place? It taught me to live in the real world gives you that that permission to look at the reality you live in and think of it differently. Star Trek does it to think of it better. And I think that is, just hearing you guys say that making me think, I think Star Trek is a way for you to say, what if the world was a better place? This is how I could live in it. And that's that. that's what I love about it.
0: I can't top that. <laughs> that's... Brilliant what you just said, though, you know, it really
2: I is. stole it from you guys. <laughs> I stole it from you.
1: So, Rachel, because you brought up the kiss between um, Captain Kirk and Uhura, and, and we've talked about it a few times through the course of the podcast, your real world that you grew up with, you had a white father and a black mother. How did that resonate with you in terms of seeing it? You know, because I know you talk about the awkwardness, so like, and, and can you talk about that a little bit?
0: say awkward Rod and Trent because again I had a specific upbringing right uh well I was in foster care till I was four and then my dad came and got us and my dad had remarried a another black woman right so my mom's black they remarried a black woman so I'm there and yes it was a hair confusing I'm just being honest it was Mm -hmm, a hair confusing mm -hmm. because I thought I see them kiss in their living room These guys seem like they want to, but not want to kiss. Like, even though, even though I was a very small child, I got the subtlety that Mm -hmm. maybe they did. Maybe there was this underlying sexual tension between Kirk and everybody, a rock, a a green lady. that, That makes
2: sense for Kirk.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like everything there. So I saw that, but it was a hair confusing in terms of why are they not? Why is it this struggle to kiss? Because I was too young to understand the parallel to the struggle uh of the black movement at the time and why your dad was so smart to have it actually be he's basically be doing a passion play of what was actually playing out in america which is in certain states my parents marriage would have been illegal right
2: Mm -hmm. Right. that's
0: the truth at that particular time so uh that's my take on it but i'm sure other people because they didn't live in a household with two different uh flavor parents Probably have a completely different impression of that. At the same time, I knew as a small child how amazing it was intuitively yeah. that I didn't see very many black, beautiful black women. And my mom was super was very dark, is very dark skinned and da 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 So here was this Nichelle Nichols who wasn't even a light skinned honey, which is the, the name, like, quote unquote, because they only use light skinned black actresses for a while Mm -hmm. on television. So here we have Star Trek comes along and this beautiful woman with deep skin tone. So important to me. Can't thank your dad enough. Do you know what I feel the same way about? I was so fortunate when I got to meet um, uh, Romero and say thank you for making that black man the hero of your zombie movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Because during that time period means nothing to kids today. But during that time period, it meant everything. Or for your dad to have a Russian, but especially to have a black woman on that bridge. Like I said, that is embedded in my psyche. It will never leave me and I will be eternally grateful. And it's also why I was so thrilled to be a part of this podcast.
2: But Rachel, what a beautiful way for you to grow up. To to grow up with a, 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 a white father and a black mother mm-hmm. and, and have no concept of there being an issue. At least at a young age until you got older and, and, sure. and learned about the rest of the world. Yeah. It That was just... Normal. It must have blown your mind to know that people, there's people out there in the world that have an issue with this. And this is my normal. This is, this is my everyday.
0: No, honestly, it was a... Be- I lived in New York City, too, as a small kid. So I had this beautiful, mm-hmm. blissful upbringing of very little stuff that I had to deal with. And then we moved to upstate New York where I learned the hard way what... Uh, you know, it's there are certain cultures in this country that are stuck in 1950 forever, right? You mm-hmm. go outside of rural mm-hmm. areas, so I learned the hard way. But Star Trek is one of the things that I would actually could bring up to people to say, "You're crazy," because this is the future, man. This is, the, or we don't say man anymore, but you know, like this is the future. Like you can stay stuck in your stuff, but I'm going to go with the Trekkies yes. or Trekkers. Anyway, Trent. Bravo, we gotta wrap, bravo, we
1: gotta wrap bravo, this. I oh, know.
0: De- a little devastating. I know. This is, a, this is a testament to your pops, sir, because <laughs> I'm a hundred episodes in and um, I think I'm pretty clever, but I can get bored with things. And I was never once bored. I was intrigued and excited and and thrilled to be a part of this podcast. And I can tell, I very
1: easily could do a whole nother hundred. So maybe part due. Do, I don't know. Maybe that's down the line. We, but we, um, we can
2: find. We, I'm sure we can find a <laughs> hundred more.
1: But it has been such an honor to be a part of this podcast. And Rachel, you are the most amazing partner. And I'm so glad we got to do this together.
0: I'll give you your money later. <laughs> um, we want to thank Rod too for taking the time out Absolutely. because obviously this was an homage to your father, and the work that he created. So to have you on here is an exceptional gift for us. So thank you.
2: Well, I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time that you have to really dive deep into these things. And I and I understand at times it has been challenging because my father, listen, the, the idea of a better future and humanity all getting along together, that is really it. That is the foundational philosophy behind this. And you've taken 100 quotes, which which teeter on all sides of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you have had to make 100 episodes of this and, and keep them engaging and interesting. And I think you've done exactly that. I've loved my uh, time with you. These four shows, oh, thank you.
0: That means a lot to me coming from you. Yeah, but Trent, let me kind. just sing thank your praises. You. Thank you, Trent, for being calm, cool, and collected while I'm an excitable gal. And holding it down, you know? Like, you're such a, a strong force and being able to work with you is a super, uh, you know, just a joy for me, frankly. An absolute so, joy. To bounce off your energy.
1: Yeah, and yours as well. And we here it is, 100 episodes celebrating 100 quotes of Gene Roddenberry. Today would have been his 100th birthday. So what a way to celebrate what a legacy with Rod, his son, Rachel, you, my uh, wonderful partner. And Nichelle Nichols, who read today's quote, which you can check out on our social media accounts on the Roddenberry Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
2: And if I can say... Think about all the amazing things that have happened in the last hundred years. All the beautiful, wonderful things that we as a human species have done. Now let's start thinking of a hundred years from now. What are those beautiful things that we have to look forward to? And let's start making them happen.
1: Amen to that. Yeah. I mean. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Very, I'm like, I can't add to that. The man's speaking the truth.
1: For one last time, thank you for listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry.
0: Ciao.
2: Live long and prosper.
1: Oh my God, I I almost started crying. (laughs) And gentle listeners out there, please stay subscribed to Quoting Gene Roddenberry, because before the end of the year, we will still be celebrating 100 years of Gene Roddenberry, and we have a very special surprise coming your way. So stay subscribed and stay tuned. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry.
0: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, Host us, DM us, whatever.
1: We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram.
0: Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True.
1: And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry